Sukha Bhavata. Sri Sukhade Goswami said. Saha hi my trayamuni. Saha hi Itam. In this way. Jodhitaha. Being agitated. Shatra. By Vidura. Tattva Jignasuna. By one who is anxious to inquire to know the truth. Munihi, the great sage, Pratyaha, applied, Bhagavad Chitta, God conscious, Smayan, wondering, Eva, as if, Gata Smayaha, without hesitation. Translation. Sri Sukadev Goswami said, O king, Maitreya, being thus agitated by the inquisitive Vidura, at first seemed astonished. But then he replied to him without hesitation, since he was fully God-conscious. Since the great sage Maitreya was filled with God-consciousness, he had no reason to be astonished by such contradictory questions by Vidura. Therefore, although as a devotee, he externally expressed surprise, as if he did not know how to reply to these questions, he immediately became perfectly settled and properly replied to Vidura. Yasmin Vignate Sarvam Evan Vignatam Bhavati. Anyone who is a devotee of the Lord knows about the Lord to some extent. Service of the Lord makes him able to know everything by the grace of the Lord. Although a devotee may apparently express himself to be ignorant, he is full of knowledge in every intricate matter. Shisukavaja Saitam Chavitam Shatra Tatvajnasunamuhi. Sri Sukadev Goswami said, O King Maitreya, being thus agitated by the inquisitive Vidura, at first seemed astonished, but then he replied to him without hesitation, since he was fully God conscious. So Vidura asked some pretty difficult questions, yes? Yes. Yes. And these are, as Anirudhu was saying, these are the main questions that the atheist asks. These are, the, frankly, the main doubts that even the theists have. Were very difficult questions. And so Maitreya at first seemed surprised. At first seemed surprised. In fact, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, in his uh, commentary, says that Maitreya was thinking, oh, these are very difficult questions. So I'm sure that any of us who are preachers or teachers of Krishna consciousness sometimes have this experience, or maybe many times have this experience, that somebody asks a very difficult question, and your first response is, oh, I don't know the answer to that. That's a really difficult question. And then immediately you know the answer to that. How many of you have had that experience? Okay. It's actually a very common experience among teachers of, of, of God consciousness. It's quite common. If someone will ask a very difficult question, and you may even say, I don't know. I just don't know the answer to that. And then immediately you know it. And you think, oh, that's interesting. How did I know? How did I know? Uh, one devotee who was captured by the KGB in the former Soviet Union for printing and distributing Shiva Prabhupada's books, he'd only been a member of the movement for about two years, and he hadn't even read all the books that he was distributing, which is not good, by the way, I'm not advocating that. But he hadn't had time to read all the books that he was even distributing. And when he was in prison, of course, he couldn't have any books. And the other prisoners would ask him things. And sometimes he would answer without knowing how he knew the answer. And later, when he got out of prison, then he would 
read it in the Bible. It actually is in the books. Actually, I was just also reading this in the discussion between Ramananda Roy and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Ramananda Roy said, I don't know what I'm talking about. He said, I don't have any idea what the answer to your question is. But by your grace, I then know. Right? And we have this also, I was just reading the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, how Phil uh, Prabhupada was saying that Mahaprabhu said to Sanatana Goswami, well, what you already know is now being confirmed. And I think we also have this experience a lot as Hare Krishna devotees. We'll have some what we call a realization. The Christians usually call it an epiphany. We have some, under, some flash of understanding. And then a little while later, we'll read in the Shastra, oh, yes, yes, you have this experience. And sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes you read something in the Shastra and go, oh. And other times you go, oh. And then you read it in the Shastra and say, yes, Exactly the thing that I understood. I, I remember years ago reading something in Vishnu Chakravarti's commentary uh, in the, uh, the Bhagavatam, a particular verse of the Bhagavatam, that clarified something I'd been wondering about for many, 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 many years. And then I brought that up to another devotion. They said, no, no, that's not right. Another understanding. I was so bewildered. What is the proper understanding? What is the proper understanding? And that day, listening to a lecture from Prabhupada, he says something like, oh, that's the problem. Immediately it's there. So this is a very common experience among the devotees. Okay? And in fact, it even happens to Krishna. If Krishna doesn't know, and then he knows. Prabhupada says that Krishna expands and then his knowledge of himself expands. So Krishna's always expanding. Krishna's glories, Krishna's qualities are always expanding. And it expands, and then he knows. And then it expands, and then he knows. So there's always more to know. He's always learning more about himself. We are always learning more about Krishna. I mean, it's interesting that Srila Prabhupada says here, although a devotee may apparently express himself to be ignorant, he is full of knowledge in every intricate matter. Okay, does this mean that every devotee knows how to change a flat tire? Does this mean if you're a liberated soul, you know, you know how to teach spelling in Italy or something like that. Uh, no, that's, that's not what Shri Prabhupada It means that he understands the essence of everything. And also Prabhupada says a little earlier that the devotee knows about the Lord to some extent. The devotee can't know about the Lord fully. Even Krishna is always learning more about himself. Let you speak of the devotee. And there's, of course, a difference between the Lord and the devotee, always, as far as knowledge. A very nice... A verse in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 4, text 5, where Krishna says to Arjuna, many, many births we have both passed. I remember all of them, but you do not, O chastiser of the enemy. And Shiva Prabhupada says in that purport, the Lord and the living entity can never be equal in all respects, even if the living entity is as liberated as Arjuna. You know, even living entities that are especially empowered with Sri Kalaja, like what living entities are, what jivas are especially empowered to know Narada, yes. So Narada was still couldn't figure out how Krishna was living in these palaces with 16,108 wives. It was just astonishing to him. How is the one Krishna in all these different places at once? Right? Even though Narada Muni supposedly knows everything, he doesn't really know everything. He also becomes surprised. He also becomes full of wonder. 
A Yamaraj also gets surprised, even though he's supposed to know everything. He got surprised by the story of Ajamila. And that's because this surprise and wonder and discovery is very pleasurable. It's one of the rasas. It's one of the seven secondary rasas. As we say, Krishna even has this experience. When does Krishna in his lila not know and then know? Can you think of some lila where Krishna doesn't know and then he figures it out? Hmm? In Jagannath. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. So when Krishna's hearing Rukmini explaining the glories of Vrindavan to the queens, so all of a sudden he becomes surprised. And this form of Jagannath has an expression of surprise, correct? Mm-hmm. Very surprised. Ooh, the glories of Vrindavan. Okay, what's some other time when Krishna doesn't know and then he knows and he gets to, he's experiencing this Adbhuta Rasa? When he sees his reflection. Oh, okay, he sees his reflection. He's like, who's that? Yes, you know about that? Krishna sees his reflection, and I think a pillar in the door. And he says, who's that? Oh, that's me. (laughs) Some other example? Agasura. Agasura. So the coward boys... The, the, the whole story of Agasura is pretty amazing. I mean, every, part, I mean, every part of every story is very amazing. But that story, particularly, you know, the coward boys see this big snake, and they just say, oh, it looks like it's a statue, but it smells bad. And there's hot air coming out of its mouth. You don't usually see that with statues. You know, when I was a, a kid, we had a playground with different statues to play on. I remember it was a, a figures from Alice in Wonderland the Mad Hatter and stuff, we could climb them. So the coward boys are thinking this is a statue of a snake, but statues don't have bad breath. Yes? And hot air coming out of his mouth. Fire coming in his eyes. But they said, oh, it's probably just some new entertainment. Like people go to the fair and they go to even the harbor house. You see that? Some, some ride or some scary thing. Oh, it's some new entertainment for us here in Vrindavan. <laughs> Vrindavan's always full of entertainment. And some say, well, maybe it's actually a demon. Maybe it's actually a big snake. Who's going to swallow us all? Oh, maybe. But then Krishna will get to be a hero and save us. He does that regularly. He'll have fun. <laughs> so generally, that's not advised. It's not, it's not what we're generally advised to do. We're not, the devotees are not told, why don't you just walk blindfolded into the street so Krishna can be a hero and save you? you know, it's not the general mood of the devotees. But the counter boys would think like that. Oh, if it is a snake, Krishna will have fun saving us. And then they all just walked into Agasura before Krishna had a chance to say anything. It's like, oh, what, 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 what are you doing? And it's explained that Krishna was thinking, I didn't want them to do that wasn't what I wanted to do. But Krishna's shaktis favor the desire of the devotees over Krishna's desire because that's what Krishna wants his shaktis to do. He tells his shaktis, if my devotee have a desire that's different from mine, give them their desire. You know, sometimes we do this in our, our close relationships, right? What would you like to eat? I don't know. What would you like to eat? I don't know. What would you like to eat? What would you like to eat? Right? We, we want to subordinate our desire to the desire of the other person that we love. So Krishna also feels like this. 
And then he's thinking, well, what should I do? Okay, when I kill Bakasura, I just kill Bakasura. But if I just kill this Agasura, all my friends are inside of him. And then they'll also die. Or they'll be harmed in some way. You know, that, that's not going to work out very well. Like the the uh, government officials have this problem whenever there's a hostage crisis. Yes? How do you capture the bad guys without killing the good guys? You know, there's some, some criminals or military, they use civilians or children as shields, right? Or they, they put all their military stuff in the basement of a school. And there's a big problem. You know, how do you, how do you kill the bad guys without killing the innocent people? So Krishna was having the same problem. How do I do it? How do I do it? Oh, I know how to do it. I figured it out. Right? Can you think of another example like that for Krishna? Oh, with um, Shishupal cutting his hair off instead of killing him? It was Rukmini. It was Rukmini. 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 Not Shishupal. Yeah, that's a good example that Krishna was going to kill Rukmini. And then Rukmini said, please don't wedding day, he's my brother, after all he loves me, it wouldn't be very nice for me if on my wedding day you know, my new husband kills my brother what do I do, okay I'll, I'll simply humiliate him which for a royal prince is, is practically as bad as being killed right? Krishna says to Arjuna, for one who's been honored, dishonor is worse than death to be dishonored is often people, as soon as people get dishonored, they want to commit suicide, yeah? In fact, a lot of the reasons people commit suicide is due to some sort of dishonor. So I feel, okay, I'll dishonor. Okay, some other example where Krishna didn't know what to do and then he figured it out. Brahmalina? Hmm? Brahmalina? In Brahmalina, oh, wow, so many examples. I, it's funny, I only thought of two so far. Agasura. Agasura, we just said before you walked in, that's what happens when you come in late. <laughs> and we had so much fun. Did we have fun talking about Agasura? Yeah. <laughs> you really missed out. <laughs> so, and, and Brahma's killing the boys and the calves, yes. So Krishna goes to find the calves, and when he comes back, the boys are gone. And he says, What do I do? Oh, I do. I can't go home alone. Yeah, imagine if you took your friends out somewhere and they just disappeared. Can you imagine that? You take your friends out on a picnic, go to use a toilet or something, you come back and they're just all gone. Right? What am I going to do? And Krishna realized, well, this is Brahman. I said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll become the boys and cats. And this way, nobody will feel any separation. Even Balaram didn't know until a few days before. And the other example where Krishna didn't know what to do with Shalva. What did Shalva do? So he created this false Vasudev. And then he had this false messenger come, this illusion of a messenger, this illusion of Vasudev. And the messenger cuts off Vasudev's head. And Krishna starts lamenting, oh, my father's dead, my father's dead. He became bewildered. And then, he, oh, this is just an illusion. Let me go and fight with Shalva. Of course, a similar thing happened in Ramlila, where Indrajit kills a, an illusory Sita. 
and in front of Lakshman, and Lakshman goes to Ram, and Sita's dead, now all of our fighting is for nothing, Indrajit has killed Sita, right? And then Babishan comes and says, that's not possible. He said, Ravana would never kill Sita. This is just an illusion, and they always go on uh, to fight. Also, actually, when um, uh, Ram and Lakshman, or this is an example of the devotees, when Ram and Lakshman were bitten by the snake weapon, and the devotees didn't know what to do. When all that's called for Garuda, Garuda comes. So this is a, it's a wonderful rasa. And sometimes we think we'd, we'd like to just be all-knowing and have everything all in front of us at one time. But that's not so enjoyable as a surprise. That's why we like to have surprise parties. And there's some enjoyment. It's just one of the rasas. Again, it's the Adbuta rasa. The Adbuta rasa is the rasa of wonder, awe, or surprise. And sometimes it's a lot more fun not to know the answer and then suddenly know the answer. Isn't that enjoyable? I mean, there's some enjoyment in already knowing the answer. Okay, I know the answer to everything. There's some enjoyment in that. But there's also an enjoyment to, I have no idea. Oh, thank you, Krishna. Yes. That's, that's very pleasurable for the devotees. And that's what life is all about. Life is really all about rasa. Even when we're looking at these pastimes of Krishna, it's not about plot. You know, Srila Prabhupada was upset when the devotees or the Gurukul students had this thing called Krishna Bowl, where they were asking the students trivia questions about Krishna's pastimes. But really, Krishna's leelas is not about the plot. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. That's just the framework for an exchange of rasa. What's really going on is all these exchanges of rasa, all these exchanges of enjoyment. And this is our understanding of God. God is akila rasa mitamurti, right? Somebody asked me, wasn't it here? To explain God in one sentence? Wasn't that here? So that's Rupa Goswami's explanation for God. Akila rasa mitamurti. Akila is all. Rasa mita, the nectar of rasa, is murti, the form. The form of one who is enjoying all rasas, who is enjoying all tastes. So, of course, there's the five primary rasas, the styles of neutrality, servitorship, friendship, parental, and uh, romantic. Those are the five styles that someone has this taste of this relationship with Krishna. But there's also the seven secondary rasas. Today we're talking about one of the seven secondary rasas. So we talked about this one, which is adbuta, or wonder, or surprise. What are the other ones? Chivalry. Chivalry is an interesting rasa. It has, according to Rupa Goswami, Bhakti Vasavi, also explained in nectar devotion, three parts to it. So one part is the righteous fighting. This is the happiness that we feel, you know, if you play a good tennis game with somebody, or a good chess game with somebody, whether you win or you lose. There's a sense of sportsmanship. And it's a, that's a lot of what people enjoy when they watch sports also. They're, a lot of what, that's not the only thing they're enjoying. But one of the rasas they're enjoying is a sense of chivalry. You know, there's rules. We don't enjoy that when there's no rules, huh? But when there's rules and people play by the rules, there's some kind of fairness, there's some kind of justice, and one side wins, and, you know, um, it, it's a very heroic being the hero, saving somebody, right? This is, uh, this is what the men feel if they carry the woman out of the burning building down the ladder. You know. 
heroes, or what you feel if you save a little drowning kitten, or this is the vira rasa, right? Another part of vira rasa is just feeling righteous. This is the main rasa that those in Rajagun are aspiring to in this world, in a material way. I'm a good person, I'm a righteous person. So this sense of doing the right thing, that feeling of enjoyment you get when you... Hare Krishna. There's a, we'll get to that rasa in a minute. Yes, you just experienced a rasa, we'll talk about that. Not everybody knows what we're talking about. And we're not going to say that that was either. And so when you do something... Hare Krishna. When you do something that, that's very uh, righteous, you do a good deed. So that's another element of fear of us. And then another one is being charitable. When you give to something, you know, that feeling of giving to something. We'll be talking about that on Sunday morning when Anirudhu talks about the kitchen. And people will get to give their donations and they'll feel this fear of us. <laughs> want to experience your rust transcendentally, you can give something, some donation to the Melbourne kitchen. All right, so we have uh, Adbuta and Vera. What's another one? Horror. Hmm? Horror. Horror. Oh, that's exactly what uh, Feeling of disgust. Right? So some feeling of disgust. And Krishna just got to experience it too. So some feeling of disgust. And you can say that's a rasa. Well, yes, it's a rasa. Otherwise, there wouldn't be horror movies. People pay to see them. Personally, I haven't had any interest in that. But people do pay to see them. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, it's a great horror movie. <laughs> or even we find that in, in our dealings, if someone says, "Ew, that's disgusting," you go, oh, "Can I see?" <laughs> You're wondering. That was a little, a little strange. <laughs> but it's a rasa. By the way, whenever devotees talk about how horrible the material world is then that's this disgusting rasa. <laughs> you know, whenever people say, oh, I don't feel well, I just stop suffering. <laughs> I'm just miserable, and you're born, and then you die, and you're old, and you're diseased. And that's this. <laughs> that's this disgusting rasa. Um, uh, Prabhupada said, if you really want to enjoy this disgusting rasa in relation to Krishna, what incarnation of Krishna do you worship? The Singadeh. Yes, so he's enjoying this rasa of disgust by opening up Rindakashi's abdomen with his nails. That's pretty disgusting. And there's blood all over the place. Right? Even Prahlad Maharaj, he says, I'm not afraid of your blood-soaked mane. Your sharp nails. And then he garlands himself with intestines. I mean, if we showed up like that, some flowers, and we had some bloody intestines. <laughs> There's some happiness even in, in this rasa of disgust. Okay, what's another rasa? Hmm? Laughter. 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 Comedy. This also includes all kinds of joy. Any feeling of, of joy, of exuberance, is this hasya rasa. You know, what we normally in this world call happiness. Happiness is only one of the rasas. We try to enjoy through all of the lessons, not only through happiness. So, yeah, laughter, comedy, as uh, in the Rotoma Dastakura says, hasya parihasya sambhasana. There's laughing and joking in the 
conversation between Krishna and his associates. May these pastimes of laughter and joking always appear in my mind. And of course, Krishna really likes these laughter pastimes, right? He's always joking around, especially with his cowherd boyfriends, and especially, of course, with the gopis. And this is one of the elements of, of subtle sex, in fact. But Krishna's always using this like double entendre or triple entendre with the gopis, correct? He's always saying something that has double meaning or triple meaning. He'll say something in front of one of the gopis' superiors that means one thing to the superiors and another thing to the gopis. Yes. We have this example in nectar devotion that Krishna doesn't show up all night and Radharani sees him in the morning and she says, um, where's your clothes? I'm sure he had some clothes on, but you know, where's your clothes? And he says, uh, Oh, my residence is in your beautiful eyes because the word for clothes can mean clothes, residence, and fragrance. And she says, I didn't ask you where's your residence, I asked where's your clothes. And he said, I've taken this fragrance by association with you. So then she gives up on trying to get an answer that way. And she said, where did you spend the night? And he changes the meaning of the words and he said, how could night have kidnapped me? And then she laughs and she forgives him for not showing up. Actually, Rupa Goswami very nicely explains this in his Utrala money that the uh, separation between Krishna and the gopis, or Krishna and the queens, that is due to anger with cause, which is almost always on the part of the women. It's very rare that Krishna is angry at the women. Uh, with cause. Uh, two examples are given in Utrala money of slight anger with cause on Krishna's part. Once when a gopi was late, uh, actually both times when she was late. But with the gopis, their anger with cause is due to jealousy. The Krishna, you were with somebody else, you were talking about somebody else, you, you know, spent time with somebody else. And one of the ways that Rupa Goswami gives that this anger with cause is mitigated is through laughter. That somehow Krishna makes the, this lady laugh and then she forgets. It's pretty hard to be angry when you're laughing. Well, try that. Next time somebody's angry with you, cutting jokes. <laughs> So, okay, there's a, the laughter rasa, so we have four. And what are the other three? But compassion, karuna rasa. Um, this karuna rasa is also uh, the rasa of sadness. So it's compassion and, and caring. It's very, of course, mixed with the parental rasa, but it's also sadness. Do people enjoy sadness? Yes, they do. It seems impossible. How can you enjoy sadness? But you do. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any, against sad movies. The reviewers will say, is this a two-handkerchief movie or a five-handkerchief movie? <laughs> and, and, and people go to that. <laughs> so is that a good movie? Oh, it's great. <laughs> I mean, every day on Facebook, somebody posts something, watch this and cry. <laughs> something like that. So, and a lot of advertisements rely on this. We were looking at making a video to promote our uh, cleaning, food distribution, and restoration at Radhakunachamukha in Govardhan that our family's been doing for many years. So we were trying to think of how could we make a video to promote it. So I spent a few days just looking at all of the top videos for commercials or for charity. And a lot of them used this Karuna Russ. A lot of them. A lot of them used the disgust. Mostly it was, it was all Karuna or disgust. So somehow if you could cry about it, then you'd give money. <laughs> that was the, we made it. We made a wonder. We didn't make a Kumaras video. We made a wonder video 
And if you could all say a little prayer that we can post that, that would be actually very appreciated. So this is, people enjoyed this, this rasa of sadness. Okay, what other rasas are there? Two more. Cassins. Huh? We said Cassins. Discussed. We said chivalry. That's the rasa. Anger. Anger. There's a rasa of anger. And you may say, well, I don't enjoy anger. Anger is very embarrassing, but yes, we do enjoy anger. Anger is, is also like a rush of energy and power, yes? And that's one of the other rasas people enjoy at sporting events. Not only do they enjoy the Vera rasa, they also definitely enjoy the anger rasa. Have you noticed that? One time I was at a devotee's house, actually in Australia, <laughs> many years ago, and their son was watching some sporting event on television. Only he was in the room. And I had to walk through that room, and as I walked through the room, he jumps out of his seat, and he starts yelling at the television. <laughs> Ow, why did you do that, buddy? <laughs> and I was kind of you know, who are you talking to? So people, they're enjoying this anger. Yes, they're jumping up, and, and sometimes after the game, they overturn cars and light things on fire, and they're, they're enjoying this anger. This is one of the reasons that people get involved in political events, so they can enjoy this anger. Raise our wages now! And they're enjoying By the way, that's one of the reasons that people get involved in political controversies. Have you ever wondered that? And devotees sometimes do that too. Devotees sometimes get involved in some big political controversy in this time. Prophet said this, no, he said this. But it says this in this purport, but it says this in this purport. I'm right, you're wrong. And they get into the, they're, what are they doing? They're enjoying this anger rust, also sometimes viewers if they're playing by the rules, but if they're not playing by the rules, they're just enjoying the anger rules. Okay, what's the last one? Dread. Dread, fear. And again, you can think of, well, fear is the whole problem in the world. But again, people like scary things, they go on rides, yes, they pay money to go on the rides to feel scared. <laughs> and again, they watch movies to feel scared. I had one devotee tell me, I really like watching movies that make me scared. People do extreme sports just to feel scared. Again, I have one guy sister who told me, I don't know how I'm ever going to go back to Godhead because I have such an attachment for mountain climbing. And I said, why do you like mountain climbing? Because then I feel scared. <laughs> and there, there's some exhilaration, right? In, in fear, especially if you're in a situation where you're not actually going to get hurt. That's why people like to have a scary ride, right? Where they, they're, it's some safety mechanism a scary movie where you're really just in your chair. But some people like to do things that are really, really scary, you know, like climb mountains without any harnesses or something. So there's this fear rasa. And Srila Prabhupada says in an actor devotion preface, which is, in my humble opinion, one of the most wonderful and amazing and incredible pieces of Srila Prabhupada's writing that exists. I can read the preface over and over and over again for the rest of my life. He says, everything that we're doing is motivated by this desire for us. Everything is motivated by this desire for us. Whatever we are trying to experience is we're trying to experience some rest. So the question for us is, do I want to experience the rest with Krishna or separately from Krishna? That's the question. As Prabhupada says, Krishna is dancing and the living entities are also dancing. Do we want to dance with Krishna? Do we want to dance by ourselves or with somebody else? But trying to experience these, these rasa using Krishna's energy separately from Krishna, does that really give us the satisfaction we're looking for in the rasa? 
I think all of us have experienced all 12 of the Rosses. Is that correct? Everybody experienced all 12 of the Rosses in a material way. Has it brought us satisfaction? Is the experience of enjoyment very deep? Is it very lasting? Is it boundless? It talks in the sixth chapter about we need a boundless happiness. So Krishna is offering all these same rasas to us. But with him, it, it's sort of like, you know, if I go with you to, what is it, Gopal's restaurant? Right? So if I go with you to Gopal's restaurant and you buy me a meal, so then I'm enjoying your money, yes? You take these, I'll treat you to Gopal's, I'll take you out, I'll buy you I'm enjoying your money. But I'm enjoying your money with you in a way that pleases you. You are happy buying me a meal. Or suppose I go in your room and I steal that money and I take it to Gopal's and I buy myself a meal. It's still your money and I'm still using it to buy myself a meal at Gopal's. Would that be as enjoyable for me or for you? You know, we think we have so much to lose by surrendering to Krishna. Talking about this yesterday, this fear that I'll lose some enjoyment. I'll have to give up all the things that I enjoy. Will I get any pleasure in life? If I have to give Krishna back the money that I'm stealing from him, how will I ever eat at Gopal's? And he says, but I'm going to take you to Gopal's and feed you. You know, we think spiritual life would be boring. Well, if I just have spiritual life, then I'll be in touch with all knowledge. It'll be boring. No, Krishna says it's going to be full of surprises. It's going to be full of wonder. It's going to be full of everything. It's going to be full of everything and more and more and more and more and more. You know, this is just the lowest of the middle planetary systems. You know that? This is the very lowest of the middle planets. You make it to this planet, you've just gotten out of the lower class. Just made it to middle class status when you get on this planet. The colors and the tastes and the enjoyments on this planet are very paltry. They're not very expensive. This body is not capable of very much pleasure. Have you all experienced that? You've reached the limits of the pleasure this body is able to afford and is still like, that's it? Right? This body, this human body, is mostly troublesome. So there's higher planets on which the pleasure is more. Prabhupada says that in Indraloka, the pleasure is thousands of times greater. Your senses are able to enjoy thousands of times greater. If you think of all the tastes of food we have on this planet, where I just came from Indonesia, where they had all kinds of food I've never tasted before and can't even describe it. I mean, really, I can't even describe it. And they'd give me something and they'd say, do you like it? I'm like, I have no idea if I like it or not. I don't even know what this is. The flavor and the texture doesn't relate to anything I've ever experienced in my life. So, you know, you go up to the next higher planet, they have more flavors and more colors. And their sensory enjoyment is finer and lasts longer, and their bodies work better. You get to Indra's planet, they don't sweat, they don't need toilets and plumbing systems, they don't need washing machines. All the, you know, they don't need to eat special diets, they can all eat only deep fried food. Bhagavatam. <laughs> she says that's right in Bhagavatam. But the demigods, they only eat deep fried food. 
they, and they don't even, you know, use the toilet, and they don't have a digestion. So they have a much higher standard. That's just Indra's planet. And then you go higher than that, you know, to the Prajapati's planet. And there they have a standard of enjoyment thousands of times greater than Indra. And then you go up to there to the planets of the Rishis, and they have thousands of times better than that. You go to Brahmalok, and he has thousands of times more happiness than that. If you read Brihad Bhagavatamita, Gopal Kumar, he gets to the coverings of the universe where they have subtle enjoyments. They have the subtle root of all the gross enjoyments. And at the covering of earth, the entities there have thousands of times more material happiness than the residents of Ramalok. What to speak of in Vaikuntha? What to speak of in Ayodhya? What to speak of in Goloka Vrindavan? We can't even fathom. And we're holding on to something on this lower middle planet? I mean, I mean, really, just imagine it. You know, if like the richest person in the world, Bill Gates, comes along, you know, and you're living in just a little shack somewhere, and he says, you know, I'll build you a palace, you're like, but I really like my shack. We had that story with Indra, where Indra was cursed to become a hawk. And then it was a problem, there was no interest. So Brahma came and said, you know, can you come back and please be Indra? And he said, I have so many family responsibilities. <laughs> and so then Puma arranged for his pig mate and his piglets to all be killed. He said, okay, you don't have any family responsibilities anymore. Come. He said, but it's so much fun wallowing in the mud. You know, I've enjoyed myself. And this is what we are doing. Everything we are holding onto in this world, whether it's some gross thing we're holding onto, whether it's some subtle thing we're holding onto, all of the things we're holding on to, we're holding on to them because we are convinced this is going to give me some rasa. It's going to give me some taste. It's going to give me some pleasure. I'll feel like a hero. I, you know, I just showed you this quote the other day. How when Prahlad Maharaj says to his father, Vaikuntha has no anxiety, that the demons can't understand that a place without anxiety. And Prabhupada said the demons create their own anxiety so they can try to solve them and be heroic. <laughs> what kind of pleasure is that? So we're holding on to all of these things in this world, thinking they're going to give me pleasure, they're going to give me pleasure. And Krishna's offering, especially Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's offering, Goloka Vrindavan. You know, most religions in the world, they're just maybe offering Swargaloka. Follow our rules, be a good whatever. A good Jew, a good Protestant, good, you'll go and go to Swargaloka. The Muslims are saying, you know, become a martyr and you can go to the higher planets and some beautiful women. And what are they offering? They're only offering Swarga. And we're not even we're not even staying in the material world. You know, we're offering the highest Russia, but with Krishna. With Krishna. And the main thing that we have to give up. To have that rasa with Krishna is a desire to enjoy rasa separately from Krishna. That's really, you know, if we're, really if we're talking about what we have to give up, illicit well, sex, intoxication, eating, gambling, and whatever, you know, onions and garlic, or whatever anybody is struggling with. <laughs> what we really have to give up is this thinking that enjoying separately from Krishna is more pleasurable than enjoying with Krishna. It's just like the thief who thinks, I will be happier by stealing than my honest labor. Exactly, exactly like that. The thief thinks, why should I work so hard? Why should I be honest? Why should I pay my taxes? You know, it'll be faster and easier if I just break into somebody's house and steal. Mm -hmm. 
But the, the, when the money you get by stealing, can you ever really enjoy it? Constant anxiety. And then, of course, you have to pay for it later. And much more. Much more. Instead of paying $20 for the thing, you know, that maybe you worked for half an hour to earn the $20, then you have to spend all your time with lawyers and courts and, you know, hundreds of hours with the courts, and then you may have to spend two years in the jail. So what was better, a half an hour to earn the $20 or the five years in the jail? But this is what we're thinking. We're thinking this enjoying separately from Krishna, even if it means that I have to spend billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of verse taking one body after another to try to enjoy separately from Krishna. Why not enjoy with Krishna? All these rasas are there with Krishna. Kila rasa So, to allow this rasa, particularly this Ayuta rasa, this is so much actually fun in Krishna consciousness to allow Krishna to surprise you. You know, let Krishna surprise us. We don't have to have it all figured out in advance. That's not necessary. Sometimes, many times, devotees ask for advice and they think they have to have their whole life figured out in advance. I have to know exactly what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go and what I'm going to eat. And where I'm going to live. You can let Krishna surprise you. It's more fun that way anyway. Generally, what we do is we make a determination. This is what I want. And hopefully what we want is pure love of God. But even if you want something in Krishna's service, you know, we'd really like to build you a kitchen, or, you know, we'd really like to get this video online for our project, or whatever it is that you want. You, you envision it being done, and then you go to the Lord, you go to the Lord and say, please, can I have your permission to do this in your service? Would you please bless me? that I can do this in your service. And then you take a step without knowing what's going to happen after that step. Prabhupada talked about this, how when he came to America, right, he was sitting, before he had any followers or any temple, he was sitting in, I think, a park. And one man sat next to him and was asking, and Prabhupada said, I have so many temples all over the world, but they're separated by time. <laughs> so Prabhupada had a desire, a desire in service, desire in service to his spiritual master, desire in service to Mahaprabhu. I'd like to manifest 108 temples. That was his desire. And he envisioned it was already being done. Does that mean that Shiva Prabhupada knew in advance every single step that he would take to get it done? No. He would take a step, and then Krishna provides some surprise, and take another step, Krishna provides another. And sometimes the surprises are scary surprises, or difficult surprises. Sometimes you think, oh, Krishna's providing. Oh, no, it's not. Well, this also happens. When Krishna's fighting with the demons, sometimes his mace slips out of his hand. Okay. Prajuna gets knocked unconscious and he has to leave the battlefield. Krishna's in the coils of Kaliya. The Singhadev lets Hiranyakashi slip out of his hands and Hiranyakashi thinks, ah. So this is, this is the way to have a very happy life even in this world. Want to enjoy all the rasas with Krishna for Krishna's pleasure. Krishna wants us to enjoy too. It's not that when we say we just work for Krishna's pleasure that Krishna wants us to suffer. Or he just sucks everything out of us and enjoys. He's not a demon. Krishna wants to enjoy with us, but he wants to enjoy with us. Just like we want to enjoy with our friends, with our family members. 
We want to be part of their enjoyment. So Krishna wants to be part of our enjoyment and, and be, he wants to have a relationship. And allow Krishna to surprise you. Let him surprise us. Go into things without knowing everything and, and be satisfied with not knowing everything. And let him do And let it be fun. Oh, that's what it means. Oh, that's what I should do. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's very enjoyable. And then as soon as this happened to Maitreya, he starts making the answers uh, to these very, very difficult questions. Very, very difficult questions. As he starts picking the answers, the purports get longer and longer and longer. <laughs> so as Maitreya starts giving the answers, we're going to get into some very long purports. So questions, comments, corrections, additions, subtractions. Yes. What's the difference between uh, laughter, Yarasa and laughter, or Prajapa? Oh, what's the difference? Well, in the spiritual world, there's lots of Prajapa. And Raghunathas Goswami says, I'd rather listen to the gossip of the residents of Raja rather than to the great philosophical speakings of you know, learned scholars. So, but the kind of Prajapa that goes on in the spiritual world is. Did you see that necklace that I'm is wearing? It's too big for her. I know. I'm sure Krishna gave it to her. That's the nectar devotion. If you really want to get into nice Prajalpa, I suggest you read the nectar devotion. It's wonderful. Where is this? I don't where is this. That will fulfill all your desire for Grammy Gita for village talk. <laughs> Do you know what Krishna did today? Then he killed a demon. A demon in the forest of Radhavan? My other demons in the forest. Not really, there was a demon in the forest of Radhavan. Because just a little boy, how can he kill a demon in the forest of Radhavan? Well, that's what the other boys said. They said it looked like a big crane. And Chris, are you sure? Come on, he's just a little boy. There's no demons. This is a safe forest. None of the would have brought us to a dangerous place. Not really. And that's very enjoyable. Now, when we try to enjoy it separately from Krishna, then we talk about, you know, what did this movie star do, and what did this sports figure do, and what did this politician do, or what did that other devotee do that was bad? Did you know that devotee did this? So that's trying to enjoy the same rasa separately from Krishna. Trying to enjoy comedy or disgust. Is that clear? Yes. And generally in our devotion service, we're focusing on Dasa Rasa. So can we learn to appreciate these other secondary Rasa? You're saying we're focusing on Dasa Rasa. Oh, I should also say, Prajapa specifically is mentioned in Rupa Goswami's Uttal and Nilamani as one of the uh, symptoms of madness and separation when Radharani is talking to the bee. There's one particular verse. Each of the ten verses that Radharani speaks to the bee are each. Uh, identified, this is also mentioned in Madhubhila Chaitanya it's identified as a different type of crazy talk. Um, well, there's there's two dasyas. There's the dasya that's in the nine categories of devotional service, and then there's the dasya that's a side of. They're not the same thing. So the dasya that's in the nine 
categories of devotional service is it's talking about sadhana bhakti, vaidhi sadhana bhakti, yudhavagamiva sadhana bhakti, where we offer some service to Krishna or Krishna's devotees. And all of us, everything we're doing, of course, is in one sense service. Even chanting and hearing and remembering is also service. But that's a particular category of serving Krishna called service, as distinct from sitting and remembering. Although in one sense they're all one. When you're chanting, you're remembering. When you're hearing, you're remembering. When you're going to holy places, you're remembering. But like Padasevanam, you're going to holy places, you may not be doing some service, you may just be going. Or you might go to holy places and sweep. <laughs> so then you're doing Padasevanam and Dasya. Is that clear? As far as that definition of Dasya? The other kind of Dasya Ras is a Steinbog. Steinbog means it's a constitutional position. It's a constant ecstasy. And that's the mentality of jivas, particular jivas, who feel, I am Krishna's servant and he is my master. And that may be your Staibhav, it may not be. Your Staibhav may be Madhurya Rasa, your Staibhav may be Vatsaya Rasa. Not all of us have the Staibhav of Dasya Rasa. And certain secondary Rasas are compatible with Dasya Rasa, the Dasya Staibhav, and certain are not. Like this one story in the Nectar Devotion, about how Krishna was joking with the cowherd boys, and I can't remember if it was Raktanka or Patra, um, started smiling. And then he thought, and then he stopped. Because he thought, oh, I, I don't want to get too familiar. Krishna's joking with the cowherd boys. He's being very familiar, but I'm, I'm just a servant. I don't want to be familiar. So each of the secondary rasas is, has some compatibility and some incompatibility with each of the sidebars. Although, what's, what's interesting and perhaps a little confusing is that even some of the secondary rasas which are explained as not compatible are compatible in certain circumstances. So there, there's going to be certain circumstances where in each of the sidebars, each of the secondary rasas are in fact compatible. And this is explained in the last chapters of Nectar Devotion and it's a very high and difficult subject matter that I don't at all pretend to understand the, the details of. So I'm not even going to try to explain it because I don't even pretend that I understand it. I understand the principle. You follow? The principle is that each of the main rasas has certain secondary rasas that are especially compatible with it, like Hastya rasas is especially compatible with Mandarin rasas. And certain rasas that are not so compatible. The rasa of disgust is not so compatible with Mandarin rasas. But sometimes it's also there. So there may be some circumstance in which a rasa that is not normally, one of the secondary rasas that is not normally compatible with the primary rasa is compatible. And then you also have, of course, the unvolves, the, the different waves of emotion and different ones that are particularly compatible with each style. Okay. So if you've already realized your style, which many members of our Christian movement have already realized their style and are performing Raghavanga style, then these seven secondary rasas and the anubhavas will come to nourish your shaivav as you progress in bhakti. If you haven't already realized your shaivav, if you're just on the platform of Vaidhi Bhakti and your dasya is simply and only, okay, I'm cleaning the temple floor and, you know, I'm serving the devotees persona. If, if your dasya is not a dasya shaivav, but it's the, it's the dasya of the nine limbs, uh, then certainly you can look at all of these secondary rasas also in relationship to Krishna from your present perspective. 
you know, you can enjoy the Singha day during the part of Kashipu, and you can enjoy Krishna in Kaliya's coils or the rain falling down on Vrindavan. You can enjoy the, how wonderful Krishna is to be the light of the sun, how wonderful Krishna is to give you your realizations. You can be afraid of material life. I mean, all these things. All of them. So you don't want to superimpose the experience of those on a higher platform of those on a lower platform. You don't want to stay on a lower platform when you're ready to go to a higher platform. That's a cause to fall down also. So if one's original Steinbach has been revealed and you don't cultivate it, that's also a cause to fall down. You don't want to go slower than you're capable of going. Just like on the highway, you can have an accident from going too slowly also. Uh, Dr. Yotakur nicely explains this in Bhajaloka and in uh, Krishna Samhita. And the same way you can't go too fast. You can't artificially pretend, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that. And enjoy the rasas on that level. Does that answer your question? Sorry, it's a little complicated. Yes? Sometimes I think that they, it's inappropriate at a level, they think they're neophytes, to think of Krishna's pastimes, meditate on them. If people think it's inappropriate to think of Krishna's pastimes, then they're not engaged in pure bhakti, they're engaged in mixed bhakti. And they're, they're mixing their bhakti. If there's, because what is bhakti? What's the definition of bhakti? What, how, does, how does vaiti sadhana bhakti start? Second chapter, Nectar Devotion. Always thinking of Krishna. Vaidhi sadhana bhakti starts with thinking of Krishna. Thinking of Krishna what? What do we mean thinking of Krishna? We mean thinking of Krishna in the world as the universal form and the sun and the moon, but does Yuga Goswami and Shiva Prabhupada say, don't think of Krishna in any other way but the sun and the moon? Does he say that? No. We distribute Krishna book on the street to ordinary people. Tell me? Yes? Do you have Krishna book in your gift shop? Can I get that there? <laughs> Everybody stop reading Krishna books. <laughs> Do you think Prabhupada gave us a Krishna book so we, we wouldn't think about it? Read it, but don't think about it. Does that make any sense? No. That's the beginning of bhakti. Beginning of bhakti is thinking about Krishna. If you are working for Krishna without thinking of Krishna, you are not doing bhakti. You are doing Krishna karmani, but you're not doing bhakti. You're gathering sukriti, but you're not doing bhakti. Bhakti begins with thinking. Krishna. That is the start of Vaidhisattva Bhakti. At least making an effort to think about Krishna. And thinking about Krishna means Krishna in the world, Krishna's name, Krishna's qualities, Krishna's forms, Krishna's pastimes. That's what thinking about Krishna means. And that's how we are purifying ourselves. That is our process of purification. If someone says, I can't think about Krishna yet because I'm not pure enough, what do they think is going to make them pure so that then they can think of Krishna? Yes, exactly. Then they must be thinking that something else is going to make me pure. I'm going to become pure in some other way, and after I become pure in some other way, then I'll be advanced enough to think of Krishna. This is exactly what Arjuna asked in the beginning of the 12th chapter. Should I first become pure in some other way and then think of Krishna, or should I think of Krishna immediately? And Krishna says, yes, the other ways, that will work, but they're troublesome, don't do it. So what will be your other way to become pure? You basically have three choices. Karma yoga, Gyan yoga, and Dhyan yoga. So we have people in our Hare Krishna movement who propound mixed bhakti. We definitely do. 
And, and sometimes people think if I'm not making progress, it's due to offenses. It could be. But also, if a person is making very slow progress, if your spiritual life is very dry, one cause could be that you're mixing your bhakti. Because mixed bhakti is very, very dry in the beginning. Karma yoga, jnana yoga, jnana yoga, very dry until you reach a certain point of realization. Whereas bhakti is cable and undekunda, it's nice and juicy and tasty from the beginning. Because you're thinking about Krishna from the beginning. So if you're mixing, if you're having karma means your bhakti, you're thinking, first I have to be a very pious person and then I can think of Krishna. And I've heard people say this. You can't think of Krishna until you're a perfect wife. First you have to be a perfect wife and then you can think of Krishna. Don't even think of doing devotional service until you're a perfect wife. There's a lot of people preaching this in the heart of You know, yes, women can become great devotees, but first they have to be perfect wives and mothers. They have to do that first. Then later, after they're perfect wives and mothers, they'll become elevated by being perfect wives and mothers. That will elevate them. And after they become elevated in that way, then they can engage in bhakti. Just recently, I heard one leading preacher in our movement preach like this from the Vyasa in And a few devotees and I, we all looked at each other, we went, oh, karma yoga. <laughs> That's karma nisha bhakti. First we have to get Varnashram together, then we can do bhakti. Or anyone who says there's someone now who just left the movement, who's preaching, you know, you have to first take birth in a Brahmin family. That's Parmamisha Bhakti. Okay, then there's Gyanvisha Bhakti. Gyanvisha Bhakti is first I'm going to completely become detached. I'm going to have no material desires, then I can think about Krishna. How am I going to become detached? Through philosophy. I'm going to study the scriptures, I'm going to study the, the chapters on the great forest of material enjoyment, I'm going to study the chapters on the divine and demoniac nature. And you, and you also have a lot of devotees who preach like this. First you have to develop all good qualities, and first you have to get liberated and be detached and have no material desires, then you can be And you're going to do that through detachment and, and through um, disgust, usually initially they're trying to do it through disgust. They don't realize they're trying to relish the disgust process. But anyway, first they usually try to do it through disgust and then they try to come to a level of peacefulness. And they think, you know, first I have to be equipoised, first I have to be forgiving, first I have to be peaceful, and then I can think about Krishna. So that's Yanvishabhati. And then there are those, I think it's a little bit more in the minority of those probably growing, who are doing uh, Yoga Vishabhati. As we use yoga more and more as a bridge preaching tool, I see that the influence of yoga Mishra Bhakti, I'm not saying yoga is bad as a bridge preaching tool, but one has to be careful that we don't start practicing yoga Mishra Bhakti, that we don't start saying, okay, you know, first you have to perfect the sitting postures, and first you have to per- perfect the pranayama, and first you have to make your mind equal poise, and then you can think about Krishna. Haridas Thakur did not say to the prostitute, first you have to do yoga, first you have to do yoga, first you have to do karma. He just said, do bhakti. She didn't do any more ashram, she wasn't pious, she didn't have any kind of philosophy, she didn't even know any philosophy for music. She wasn't practicing any yoga. Just do bhakti, same with Mugari, just do bhakti. Just heard Prabhupada say that this time. You can come from anything immediately to bhakti, and bhakti means thinking of Krishna. Then you make the argument, well, my thinking of Krishna in the beginning will be contaminated. The answer is yes. If you think, I can't think about Krishna until my thinking about Krishna is pure, again, then you're saying I have to become purified through some other way. It's thinking about Krishna that purifies us, even though our thinking about Krishna in the beginning is mixed. It has to be. It has to be. There's no other option. Is there another option? Can you think about Krishna purely when you're not pure? 
No, you can't. You can't. You're going to be having some material conceptions that are mixed with your thinking about Krishna. Of course you How can that be avoided? But it's the thinking about Krishna that burns off these material contaminations. That's what we're preaching. That is pure bhakti. That, oh, that's what we're supposed to be preaching. So it's something like this. Right, we start off this very nicely explained in Madhuri an excellent book. I highly recommend it by Vishnu Chakravarti Tagore. It's a little book. You can read it in an afternoon. I mean, very simple. It's very succinct. So we start off with material desires like this. Material desires, material conceptions. We're full of them. He said we're absolutely full. And our interest in Krishna, he says, is a little trace. One time somebody was so offended by my saying that they didn't come to my classes for a month. That's what Vishnu Chagavati Tapur says. We start off with this little trace, which seems very great when you're a conditioned soul. When you first get this little trace of interest in Krishna, it's like, wow, but it's just a trace. And this much material desires. So karma yoga, jnana yoga, and dhyana yoga say bring all your materials down, all your material desires down to zero, and then start thinking of Krishna. And what we say, Prabhupada puts it gradually and proportionally, Start thinking about Krishna. Bring this up. As you start thinking about Krishna, your thinking about yourself will decrease. And you start thinking about Krishna more. As you think about Krishna more, Krishna fills up your mind and your heart and your consciousness. So when you're, you're here, is it going to be mixed? You've got this much me and just this much Krishna. Is it mixed? Yeah, it's mixed. And you're thinking about Krishna is mixed with all kinds of things. And just keep going. And when you get to 50%, Prabhupada said, then the hard struggle with determination is over and everything becomes easy at 50%. At Nista. When it's 50% me and 50% Krishna, then everything goes very easy. At the end, there's nothing. No material conceptions. and absolute Krishna. Or the example I give, let's say you have a cup and your cup's full of chemical flavored juice. They sell that here in Melbourne? Yes? Okay? It's got like orange color. Right? And a few drops of orange oil in it and some sugar. And...
Okay? You're empty. Is it fun to be empty? Anybody want to be empty? And then you've got to make it really empty. You know, you've got to clean it out, scrub it out, make sure that it's completely empty. So you become completely empty, and then you try to fill it up with Krishna. So our bhakti process, you've got this cup full of junk. It's junk. And then you have the real orange juice that my father used to make for me in the morning with actual oranges. You know, and you just start pouring that into your cup full of chemicals. And pretty soon, you know, it, the, you just, it, as, long as, as long as you don't also keep pouring in chemical juice at the same time with the other hand. <laughs> so as long as you just keep pouring in the real orange juice, then very soon you'll have a cup of real orange juice and you never have an empty cup. Isn't that nice? So that's bhakti. Bhakti means you never have an empty cup. You're always full. You're always full. And the proportion of purity that you're full of should, unless you keep pouring in chemical juice with the other hand, you know, thinking nobody's looking, then uh, eventually it becomes perfection. Is that all right? Yes. Yes. I, I, I would just like to say, Mother, that the class was very inspiring and beautiful. So thank you very much. Wow, that's all she proper. Thank you very much. And, and, and one last thing, if you can answer it, if, if there's time, but if, if not, we'll take it tomorrow. Or well, we'll see if, if Krishna gives the answer. So, <laughs> we are supposed to have, you know, cultivate faith and be in the mood of surrender. And, and with that, our attitudes and behaviors should be that of compassion, tolerance, patience and humility. But when dealing with the materialists, with the material world, pure materialists, what's, what's the benchmark or what's the, the turning point of exercising that and fighting for, you know, when it gets too much, it gets toxic, you know, so when, uh, when how much do you tolerate and when do you stand up and fight? Whatever would make Krishna smile. <laughs> Usually we stop tolerating when my sense pleasure is, is interfering with too much. Mm-hmm. That's generally when we cross the threshold of toleration. When there's some threat to my enjoyment. When the threat to my enjoyment is unbearable. Then I give up my truthfulness and my equanimity and my compassion and I become nasty. If, you, if your vira ras and your anger ras is, is all to make Krishna smile and has nothing to do with your sense gratification. And it feels very different, just like chemical juice and real juice tastes very different. If it's for your sense gratification, then it leads to bewilderment of memory and loss of intelligence and falling down into the material pool. If it's for Krishna's pleasure, then it leads to expansive joy and knowledge and realization. Just like real orange juice makes you healthy and chemical orange juice makes you sick. Exactly like that. And you need to learn to tell the difference. Pratchak Shavagamam Dharnasu Sukham Kartamami. You need to be able to tell the difference. So we, we can sometimes think the chemical stuff is real, but we'll never think the real stuff is chemical. You never mistake the genuine for the false. It has a completely different quality. So you want to try to. to, to <coughs> It should feel purified. If you're, if you're experiencing this chivalry ras and fighting ras and anger ras, it should feel purified. It should feel full of happiness. 
It should be giving you more realization of Krishna. It should be opening your heart. It should be making you feel more connected with everybody, giving you more realization. And if it's not doing that, if it's closing down your heart, if it's putting all kinds of toxic chemicals in your body, if it's separating you from other people, if it's thinking more about my rights and what I need and what I can tolerate, and when I, then it's a bunch of nonsense. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Prabhupada. Gita. Yeah.